Travel Squad podcast. We're four friends that grew up together in the same small town. We followed each other to San Diego, and now we adventure the world together. One passport stamp at a time. We're here to share our travel stories and inspire you to go on your own adventures. Even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. Kim. And I'm Dana. And And we're we're the Travel Squad podcast. So grab your ticket, your passport, and don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hey, everyone. Hola. Welcome to episode number 77. Today, we are talking about Valle de Guadalupe. Valle de Guadalupe is Baja California's wine country, but at a fraction of the price that you would pay in California. And since it's literally in our backyard, Jamal and I decided to take a little weekender getaway and treat ourselves to a wine-filled weekend. Valle de Guadalupe is just a hop, skip, and a jump from the border here in San Diego. It's about an hour south of San Diego slash Tijuana, nestled in the valley just east of the beautiful coastal Mexican city of Ensenada. I have been to many places in Mexico. In fact, I think I've explored more of Mexico than any of you guys because I always go to Mexico City to see my friend Nicole. I'd have to disagree. I think I have explored more than you. I've been to Puerto Vallarta, Cabo, Cancun, Tulum, Mexico City, a small, small town outside of Guadalajara, Valle de Guadalupe, Rosarito, Ensenada. Damn, she's showing Tijuana. Whoa. You didn't even say Tijuana. I was, well, I mean like, I've been- You definitely explored more of Mexico City though. (laughs) <laughs> in fact I've, I've been to a lot i've been to a lot but uh you actually took me off guard with that one so uh booyah okay <laughs> bueno i'm excited to hear all about valle de guadalupe because of all the places that i've been to in mexico i have not been to valle de guadalupe i've actually been not once not twice but three times tres tres You are the expert here. (laughs) (laughs) I went once for a really cool holiday party with a job of mine in the past. We did a day trip there. Beautiful wine excursion there. I went once on a girl's trip for a friend's birthday. Amazing. And I just recently went on a romantic trip with my boyfriend. Very romantic, huh? So you know, you guys were on a couple's trip. Very romantic. It is very romantic out there. Like Brittany was saying, I mean, it really is going to Napa, which is the U.S. and California's version of wine country. I mean, that's really what it is. It's the epitome of that. But this is in Mexico, Valle de Guadalupe. This is their wine region. So we're going to start off the episode with some tips. And I think Jamal and I and Kim, we all drove down there because we were Mm -hmm. leaving from San Diego. And one tip that I have for you all is... The roads are a little shitty to drive on, so it would be better to have an SUV. That's true, but you also can get through with a car. I drove my old Chevy Cobalt down there. The old Cobalt. Yeah, but it is rural, and, and because of that, they're not super developed roads. Right. And so if you're coming from the U.S. and going to go to Valle de Guadalupe, you fly into San Diego, fly into Tijuana, if you're just going to fly into Mexico, the roads and highways down there to the Ensenada region where Valle de Guadalupe is are actually really, really good highway coastal roads seeing the Mexican Pacific region. However, once you get into those rural regions within the valley where they're growing the grapes and have the vineyards and the wineries, that's where the roads, as touristy as it is, 
aren't as developed. So yes, you could do it in a car, but it may be more beneficial to have an SUV. That way you don't really have to worry about bottoming out or popping a tire or something to that yes. effect. Yes. Actually, the most recent trip that I went on, we got a tour and the tour was supposed to have another couple in it, but we had to make some arrangements and alterations because this couple was coming from San Diego and they didn't take the toll road. So they did bottom out on the roads and then their car broke and had to get fixed in Ooh, the region. That mm-hmm. sucks. Yes. And some That's of the, no bueno. some <laughs> of the rural roads are more like dirt roads and we had gone in January and it was after a big storm. And so the roads were really wet mm-hmm. and there was a lot of big puddles that I wouldn't want to get stuck in. Another really good tip to keep in mind is that most places accept U.S. dollars. It really is a touristy area. Yes, you have a lot of Mexican nationals who come to that region because it is very well traveled. And like I said, it is Mexico's wine region. But being so close to the United States, lots of Americans come over there. They do have lots of places that accept U.S. dollar. But I would still recommend converting your currency to pesos just to have as well. Squad tip. The price you'll pay in Mexican pesos is cheaper than the price you'd pay in U.S. dollars or Mm -hmm. U.S. credit card. So it is advantageous to have pesos. Yeah, and an example was even for the bathroom. In Mexico, a lot of places you have to pay to use the restroom. So the bathrooms, they were charging 10 pesos, which is like 50 cents, or they were charging 75 US cents. But of course, if you're at a winery, you don't have to pay to use the restroom. You're a customer there and it will be open and free to use. Also, I love going down to Mexico because you do get a little bit more for your money with the US dollar. We're recording this in early 2021. The conversion's been around 20 pesos to one US dollar, Mm -hmm. but it kind of ranges between like 16 and and that range. So the conversion rate is nice to have. Not only is the conversion rate good, even if it necessarily wasn't and it was at its normal rate and wasn't really fluctuating, you're still going to get more value for your money of what you're doing down in Mexico and the wine tasting than you would here in the United States. Even if we're not talking about going to Napa, which is, you know, in Northern California, famous wine region, even down here in San Diego County, there is a place that is famous for its wines in the Temecula area. And even then, if you were to do that, it would be a lot more expensive than going to Valle de Guadalupe in Mexico. Right. And I have one more tip that's very important for Valle. You can get an Uber there. Say you get an Uber at the border or if you're staying in Ensenada, which is very close. But you cannot order an Uber once you're in Valle because it is rural. It is spread out. You cannot rely on Ubers once you're in Valle. So a tour is really recommended if you don't have your own car. That's a really good tip, Kim. So Kim, tell us a little bit about the trip that you and your lover took down to Valle. So (laughs) we went for New Year's this year and it was just a two-day trip. We actually rented a really nice Airbnb in the El Sazul area, which is just outside of the valley on the coast. So Valle de Guadalupe starts right kind of where the coast is and goes east inland into a valley. So we stayed right on the coast and we stayed about two days and for more context, it's just north of Ensenada, correct? Just no, about 15 minutes drive north of Ensenada. So about two-ish hours from the San Diego border. A little bit less. And I was going to say for people not familiar with the region down here, you can get to Ensenada from the U.S. border in San Diego 
from an hour to an hour and a half, depending on the traffic. So it's really, really close to the border. I mean, it's like driving from San Diego to LA, yes. but without the traffic even. Yes. And when you cross the border, you'll have two options to get south. You can take the one or the one D. The one. You want the one D. <laughs> you want the D. <laughs> Definitely want the Always D. Always want the D. <laughs> so the one is a non-toll road. The roads are not as good. This is where people bought them out. They're not as well maintained. The 1D is a toll road. You'll probably pay around $1 to $3 in tolls depending on your length you're driving on it. But it's a beautiful road. Super nice road. Coast the whole way. Great views. That's the road you want to take. And it's also less trafficked because it is a paid road. So there's less cars on it. It is the road you want. Yeah, that's the road Jamal and I took down. And Jamal and I, we left San Diego on a Saturday pretty early in the morning, about 8.30. We did the one and a half hour drive down to Ensenada and we did a tour. So we were picked up for a tour. In fact, it was the same tour we did that I sent you from Airbnb. Thanks for the recommendation, Kim. And we were home by Sunday afternoon. So it was just a quick little getaway, but it was definitely worth it. Definitely doable, especially for a lot of our listeners here in San Diego. I would highly recommend it. And you can actually really do this on your own if you don't want to do a tour and go to the wineries. But I will say this. Why do you want to do some drinking and have to worry about the driving, right? Mm -hmm. So I would highly, highly recommend the tours and going that route. The reason for it is obviously the people conducting the tours, they are locals. They will take you to a whole array of the different wineries that they have down there, take you from one to the other. Some of the wineries will do tours and then a tasting and other place will give you a straight bottle to have overlooking the valley other ones will give you like cheese plates in accordance with tastings so lots of really good values that you can get out of doing the tours and i will say this we did hours through airbnb experiences which is really legit and i did my research and that was the best price and the best value in terms of hours and number of wineries that i was able to find I actually got ours for $74 each. I think you guys paid just a little bit more. Yeah, we did. And it depends on the day that you go and what's going on. But typically around 100, 150, you can even get a tour that will take you from San Diego on the US side to Valle. And it could just be a day trip for you too. Yeah, absolutely. And even though Jamal and I just went for a small weekend trip, we actually packed a lot in. We did the wine tour. We also went to the La Bufadora. So did I. Oh, perfect. And then we had to talk about that. And then on our way home, we were like, you know what? Puerto Nuevo is on our way home. It's the lobster capital of Mexico. We have to go just to eat lobster there. So we did that. And then we drove home. Beautiful. It was fantastic. But let's get a little bit more into what the whole heart of the episode is, which is the Valle de Guadalupe experience. So let's talk a little bit about transportation and getting there. As we mentioned, we, being so close to San Diego, drove across the border and went to Ensenada, which is the hotel areas that we stayed at. Kim stayed in Airbnb. And obviously, Valle de Guadalupe is no further than 30 minutes away inland east from there. One thing I will say is if you are driving across, or again, if you're not a local coming from somewhere else in the United States and flying into Tijuana directly versus into San Diego, nonetheless, you should get car insurance. It is required by law in Mexico for you to have car insurance for the weekend. For Brittany and I, it was about $45. It'll make you fully covered. 
That way, God forbid, you get pulled over. You don't have to worry about the issues of not having something that is legally required of you while you're in Mexico. So I would highly recommend doing that. If you just Google Mexican car insurance, there's tons of links that will come up. All of them are pretty legit, and that's what you should do. Yes, and then like I said, the 1D is the toll road. Now, if you're going San Diego to Ensenada and back, it comes out, at least when we went, to around... $10. Yeah, so it's not expensive, but when you get to these various different toll stops, you're going to see Mexican police officers, sometimes with very large guns, but don't be alarmed. They're just toll road guards, pretty much. And you pass right there. You pay the money and pass right there. Well, it's really there for your safety. I mean, these are the toll roads. These are the more safety and protected roads. So they're not there to really harass you. It's more of a safety issue than anything else. And on our way down from San Diego to Ensenada, there's about two or three tolls to go through. Each one of them is equivalent to about like a dollar eighty two dollars like U.S. So that's what we're saying. Back and forth, down and back up is going to be about ten dollars realistically. And they do have the prices there for you in Mexican pesos. And as we were saying earlier, they will even have them listed in U.S. dollars, so you can pay those tolls in U.S. dollars. But again, you're going to get a better rate if you use Mexican pesos. Of course. So if you aren't from San Diego, one thing to just know is you can't rent a car and bring it into Mexico. So the other option would be to fly into Tijuana. And we actually met a couple who was from Guadalajara and they flew into Tijuana and they took a bus to Ensenada to get there. And that worked out for transportation for them. You can also easily get an Uber or a cab if you flew into TJ and they will be happy to take you to wherever you're going within a couple hours south. So inexpensive for Ubers in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Really, really inexpensive. And then there's, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, you can get a tour from the U.S. side of the border or the Mexico side of the border that will take you to Valle. You can hire cars. I think I saw a couple that were for about 10 hours of car service, about 120 U.S. dollars. So depending on what you're looking for, what your group size is, where you're coming from, there's a lot of options for transportation. So Kim, you mentioned earlier that you stayed in an Airbnb, but you didn't really describe how beautiful it was because I saw some of the pictures. So tell us about your experience in the Airbnb you stayed at. So we didn't stay exactly in Valle. We stayed, like I said, on the coast. The place that we stayed in was in a gated property. You go all the way up the mountain until you cannot drive anymore. And our house was right up there. It was a little one bedroom place, gorgeous views of the ocean from every single window. And it had this beautiful deck with a huge table, a big swinging chair. It was like the best thing to wake up to in the morning. It was beautiful. And I think it came out to like a hundred bucks a night for this Airbnb. Like I'm saying, it's cheap. If it was in the US, it would be easily 300 or more per night for that place because of the view. If you're looking at a map, the three highway, which is Valles Highway, and the 1D, which is the nice road that goes to Ensenada, kind of cross paths. And about right there is where El Sazul is. So it's the perfect place to stay if you want to go to Ensenada and Valle. And there's a lot of great Airbnb properties right there. I stayed one with the girls trip. I think it was only like $78 a night and it had three bedrooms. Oh, wow. And an ocean view. So there's a lot of options there. But actually in Valle, if you're willing to splurge a little bit more, you can get the most beautiful, unique glamping experiences. They have one that's like this gorgeous big bubble They have some that are built into these giant wine barrels. They have really cool stays that I would love to go back for. I would love to do that. Maybe we should do a couple's trip and get some yurts or go glamping. Yeah, on in the middle. (laughs) Yurts. 
Yurts are like tents. I have never heard of a yurt. Oh yeah, yeah. a yurt. It's it's a glamping experience. And and also these amazing experiences that they have in these unique stays are often in the middle of a vineyard on a winery, right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of the, all that action. You're not running out of your booze if you're staying there. I'd be like, where's the more? <laughs> Just wake up, walk out to the field, and there you go. <laughs> you know, we should actually consider doing that and maybe doing like a staycation there with the travel squad. Absolutely. I think it'd be a great idea. So Jamal and I did not stay at an Airbnb. We stayed at a hotel just north of Ensenada. It was called City Express Plus Ensenada. And it also had really great ocean views. In our hotel room, we were on like the fifth floor. Our window was from the floor to the ceiling. And it had the perfect ocean view. And on Sunday morning, Jamal and I woke up and we were able to watch the sun rise up above the water from our bed. And it was just so Early risers. We saw the colors rising over because we're on the West Coast. So sun rises in the east. We saw the colors in the clouds rising, not necessarily the sun because we're looking to the west. Mm -hmm. But it was still beautiful, really, nonetheless. And that's one of the things like, I mean, Ensenada is a cruise port city for that matter, too. Granted, they're not doing cruises now (laughs) with what's going on, but it is a beautiful Mexican Riviera coastal city. So you really have those beautiful vibes. And then you just go a little bit inland and then you're in wine country. So the whole ambiance of the entire area. And Brittany said we stayed at a city plus city plus or city express plus, excuse me, is a chain in Mexico. I mean, we stayed at a City Express Plus when we were in Mexico City also. Yeah. So it is a chain. I highly recommend it. We had a complimentary free breakfast, which was actually really, really legit. A buffet? Yeah, I think in non-COVID times, it actually is a buffet. This time it wasn't. They had pre-made breakfasts, but they were legit ones. It was still served to me on a plate, had potatoes, had eggs, came out with like a grilled cheese and ham sandwich. They brought fresh fruit out. You had your coffee. It was legit. You know what? We didn't have free breakfast in our Airbnb, obviously, but we stopped at a grocery store in Mexico and picked up this fresh baked torta bread and ham and cheese. Love tortas. Louis Mexican. So he obviously knows how to make this. And he made this for us one morning and it was so good i literally tell him every day that's what i want to eat and that's what i want him to make it's so good <laughs> we need to have louis breakfast <laughs> <laughs> yes you're constantly coming over and eating jamal's lunch dinner we need to have louis breakfast yes i'm ready for that and try it out but i do want to say something if you're not staying at an airbnb which as kim is describing is a fantastic experience and really good value for the money in mexico but the city express plus that we stayed at in ensenada was really close to a very, very legitimate taqueria. (laughs) And so I would highly recommend staying here because one, the ocean views, the breakfast, the cost value, and the fact that obviously after a wine tour or even before, you're going to have the munchies a little bit. That taqueria that was there wasn't just any you know, run-of-the-mill taqueria. It was a real, real legitimate one. So I do recommend the City Express Plus. I have a question for you both. Have you guys ever had birria? I have. We had it when we were there on this trip. Oh, you have? Yes. What about you, Zena? Um, Maybe if you describe it, I might It's like shredded meat in this sauce. 
and then you put it into tacos. Oh, no, just kidding. I was thinking it was actually a drink. Okay. <laughs> I've drinking a lot. <laughs> That'd be a no. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. Maybe if you describe the drink, I'll remember it. But no, I did not eat that. No, birria is usually goat, but it can be. Don't tell Kim that. I know. It can, I already it, knew that. But, it, but we it can be beef. But the, what makes it is how it's cooked in that sauce yes. that you were talking about. In, in Sonata, we went to a... Birria. Like taqueria, but birria. Exactly. We went to one and you could choose your meat and they had beef, pork, and goat. Very nice. Yeah, this this taqueria had that and it, ooh, it was so good. And that's Fire. what we got. Like I would recommend before you go to the wineries, eat something because you're gonna be drinking a lot. That's of exactly wine. what we did. We went and got birria for breakfast and we had some leftover after the winery that we ate when we got home. Oh, perfect. Highly <laughs> recommend. Highly recommend. So let's get into the highlight of our episode, getting to the wineries in Valle de Guadalupe. One winery that I've been to, not on the tour that we took, but on another trip that I went to, is called Cuatro Cuatros, and it's one of the most popular and well-known wineries in Valle. It's actually not very deep into Valle either. It's got coastal views, so it's on the very beginning of it, and it's huge. There's one big draw of it, and that is that when you park, you can get into a shuttle bus and they will take you up to the top of the mountain where they have all these amazing lounge chairs, lounge areas and coastal views and you can get wine and cocktails and food. That's really popular. But when I went, it was raining, so it's closed. So we went down to the winery portion where it's still gorgeous. They have couches. They gave us blankets, amazing wine, beautiful bathrooms, actually. They took us down to the cellar and gave us tastings of a mezcal wine straight from the barrel, Mm. which was really cool. And then they have these huge old wooden ships with bars on top. And you could go up there and sit and hang out. It's a beautiful winery. Speaking of the view, I did look this up online and the pictures are gorgeous. Yes, I would love to go back when it's warm and I can like actually sit up there. And which winery was this one again? Cuatro Cuatros. Cuatro Cuatros. What's it's that a good one? Four fours? Yeah, good job. <laughs> All fours for legal help. <laughs> <laughs> Just a quick question, Kim. Did any of the times you went to Valle de Guadalupe, did you go by the Valle de Guadalupe sign and get like that photo op? No. Yeah. On our tour, they actually took us by it and was like, anyone want to take a picture? So you know when did we you guys were, take a picture? We yeah, did. we did. So you know when we were in Lebanon and specifically yes. in Beirut, they had the I Love Beirut, and in Amsterdam they have the I Heart Amsterdam. Yes. Well, they had the exact same thing, but for Valle de Guadalupe. And Brittany and I were drive. Well, we weren't driving. The tour drivers were driving us on the roads, and I thought, oh man, we're really getting into the cuts right here to get to one of these wineries because it was really you know unpaved. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, here, we're by this uh, photo spot for you. And it was the sign. And they took us out of the way specifically to get to it. And it's on this one random ass dirt road. But then it's in front of this beautiful winery, which unfortunately the tour didn't go to. But it was just like, oh, man, they really took us out of the way on this crazy ass road for this photo op. So, I mean, we were forced to take it. That's so it was really cool. But yeah, of the roads and how rural they are. Yeah, Cause that really is how it is out there. How do you fit that all in one picture, though, via the Guadalupe? It, it, it was it was tough. <laughs> it was okay. tough. You go to the tough. minus five angle on your iPhone, and it will widen it up for you. And it was funny because when we <laughs> got to the sign, the girl and the guy that we went with, they were like, oh, no, we don't need a picture. And I was like, oh, no, Jamal and I, you know, we'll take a picture. And so Jamal's like, oh, we're fucking stopping Brittany. Now we're going to make everyone get out. And I was like, it's an opportunity. Let's take it. They brought you there for that. No. 
they exactly. did because I thought we were going to a winery. And then as soon as we took that photo, we cut back to the main road. <laughs> so I took us completely. <laughs> they, they didn't even describe to us that, oh, we're going this way specifically for this. And that's really what it was at that point. But they do have one out there and it's in front of a beautiful winery. And I was really disappointed we didn't get to go in it because it looked really, really nice. Do you know which but, one it was? No, I really don't remember. Unfortunately, I didn't pay too much attention to that fact. But the roads were, like I said, you know, real rural dirt roads, like unpaved. So there are was, a lot of wineries out there. We're only going to talk about a few, but there are so many more. Yeah. And I do want to say this as we're talking about the roads and people thinking like, oh, this is in the middle of nowhere. It's really not, even though this is a very touristy area, it's really becoming a lot more touristy. So they are putting money into it. And by they, I mean like the local government, the Mexican government, regional, et cetera, into making it more tourist friendly. So it still has that rural vibe to it, but don't let that deter you or scare you from it. Everything you are going to experience there is legitimate. Well, that's part of what they want to. They want to keep it rural. They like it that way. And it is part of the personality of it. I like it that way too. Well, Jamal, you said that like, don't think that it's in the middle of nowhere. If it's on the coast, it can't be in the middle of nowhere. That's true. You can probably <laughs> drive from the coast to the end of IA maybe two hours. So it's not like it's all coastal, but they want it to be rural. And so just enjoy that when you go there because you don't actually get that in a lot of places yeah, that's true. That are popular, you know? So it's nice. It's nice. You're not getting rural in Mexico City. No, you are not. <laughs> it's very populated. So another one of the wineries that Brittany and I had gone to on our tour was the Donna Lupe Winery, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I love that one too. I went there. It had just a gorgeous view. The, the best time to go is around sunset. That's Be when we went. Yes, because you can just look out into the vineyards and it's just so picturesque and it's a huge outdoor place and there's like wild cats around there and I think they had pizza you could buy too. Yeah, and they did have the pizza, but I don't know if when you went, Kim, they included it for you. They gave us complimentary like bread and cheese to have with our tastings at the Donna Lupe winery. So did you have any or no? No, we didn't have that, but we did get a flight tasting and they had a lot of really good wines there. They did. They did have a lot of really good wine. But did you try the pizza though? I mean, you I made, did. How I was did. the pizza? Because I saw it, but no one was manning the station. And obviously I, we had what I just mentioned we had, but how was the pizza? It there? was pretty good i mean i would eat it again we were like kind of hungry and getting a little hangry getting a little um wine wasted would <laughs> you say that this pizza was better than the one that we got at the king's canyon national park yes <laughs> i think any yes. pizza was better than the one that we had at king's canyon national park did you hear the cows in the background mm -hmm. no. <laughs> i was like No, Zana's just putting us in the whole ambiance. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were sitting there and I was like, is that a cow that I hear? And then I looked at the edge and I was like, yep. All right, we've had enough cow sounds. Because I think they, they might make <laughs> cheese kidding. somewhere around there too. Oh, okay. Maybe that's some of the cheese that we had, Brittany. There was a cheeseria. 
somewhere Quesaria. around there. Well, Quesaria. You, know <laughs> you know what else I liked was I tried the honey wine on my so wine tasting flight, and I really liked it. Yeah. You know, I took really a sip good. of the, yeah, and that was actually one of my favorite ones. I usually don't like sweet wine or dessert wines for that matter, but I was like, all right, you know, I want to try the honey wine. And I took my first sip of that on the tasting, and I thought to myself, oh, this is a little too sweet, but I didn't hate it. But the more I kept sipping on it, the more and more I was like, mm, this shit is fucking delicious. And it really, really grew on me the more and more that I had it. So how do you feel about Moscato's? Not a huge fan. Oh, I like those. Those are nice and sweet. Me too. I like them too. But w- this was the third winery we visited that day. So we we were here at sunset. So it was really beautiful looking out at the vineyards and seeing the sunset in the distance. Yes, because this time you could really see it going over the ocean. Not that you could see the ocean, but you can see out of the valley going to the coast and just watch it. And it was really, really beautiful to see it. Yeah. And I don't know how busy it was when you guys went, but when I was there, there was almost nobody there and it's a huge space. So if you are thinking about COVID, this is a great place to go because it's all outdoors, super open and not very busy. Yeah, that was the experience we had too. It wasn't very busy. And the wineries that we went to on this tour, being that it was in the COVID era, very good with precautions in terms of like, they could take your temperature, they give you hand sanitizer when you walk in. They even make, in a lot of places, make you walk over a thing that sanitizes your feet. Yeah. I really felt like they took COVID precautions a lot more seriously than places here in the U.S. Anytime you walk into a building or go into one of those, they forced you to sanitize your hands. They did temperature checks on everybody, like you said. So really good place to go and actually feel really safe. Like you said, outdoors, and they are taking the precautions very, very seriously. Hey, travelers, let's take a quick detour to talk about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We now have six different trip itineraries. One week in Kauai, an American Southwest weekender road trip, a week in Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks, a road trip adventure featuring all three of Washington State's national parks, Big Island, Hawaii, and an Arizona road trip that features all three of Arizona's national parks. We are obsessed with these. These itineraries are 20 to 30 pages PDF guides with every detail of the trip laid out. We're talking about where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance fees, where to eat, driving distance between attractions, what things to see and do, the hikes we recommend, the mileage of the hikes, and even the recommended time to a lot for each one, plus so much more. We have story highlights on our Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast where you can see the full guides. We have done all of our research and actually taken these exact trips. And we have taken all of the guesswork out of the planning. So all you have to do is show up and have fun. Purchase your comprehensive Travel Squad Podcast itinerary on our website at travelsquadpodcast.com. Best of all, they're on sale right now for $25. That's 50% off the regular price. So travel on over now to get yours today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another one that I went to that wasn't on this tour, but it was on another time is called Venacava. And it's actually a cave they've built into the ground. 
Ooh. It was really cool. Beautiful wines. And they also have a whole outdoor space with lots of tables and really good food that they'll cook on an outdoor kitchen right by the table. So I recommend that place too if you're not going on an organized tour that doesn't hit it up. Another winery we went to was called Baron Balche, and this is a Mexican winery, and it also has a cool little cave kind of area Mm -hmm. where we had to go down these steps, and they use the natural climate from the rock, so like no AC, so that the earthiness of the area seeps into their wine. And you wouldn't even need AC because it was cold down there. It was cold down there. And they had tons of barrels just lined up you could get really nice cool photos while you were down there on this little wine tour before the tasting and they even explained how they use their barrels and their barrels are used for seven years so for four years they put in their premium wines then they reuse that barrel and for two years they use their medium wines in there and then they once again reuse them for six months to a year for their young wine so they're completely reusing it every single time and then after the barrel has hit its lifespan they either resell them or repurpose them for furniture guess what what i got a free glass of wine at this place how'd you score that (laughs) vino gratis because like i said we had the other couple that was supposed to be on our tour had some car issues so we were waiting for them so while we were waiting we ordered a glass of wine boom 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 it was free Bam. And we got the tasting. You know what's really interesting about this one winery is that I like white wines. They're just not my preferred favorite, but of all the wines that they gave us of their samplings that they had here, and they gave us a variety of their young to mediums. I don't think they gave any of their high-end ones on the, the tasting. You can that upgrade. We'd, you can, you can. They had many different ones. The tour that was included for us that went over the whole process and the tastings didn't include that one, unfortunately. But their white wine was probably the best wine I had the entire time of all the wineries in Valle de Guadalupe. And white wine is my least favorite. I mean, well, I shouldn't say least favorite. I like whites. I prefer reds, though, but it was exceptional. Really, really exceptional. It was good. I love the rosé. The rosé was really good, I bought a bottle of the rosé. Yeah, so they gave us three different wines to taste, one white, one rosé, and one red. That's nice. And and you mentioned that it was 100% Mexican-owned, which is actually surprisingly rare. Not all of them are 100% Mexican-owned. In fact, they have a large Russian population out there. Interesting. Yeah. Wouldn't have guessed that. I did not know that. <laughs> Random, but yes, that's what I learned on the tour. So the last winery we're going to talk about was called Dominic. And I don't think you were able to go to this one, Kim. No, because like I said, we had some car issues, car issues. And then it was closed by the time we went there. That and is a shame because this one would have been really up your fucking alley. Kim. I know. This one really uh, fucking up your, your alley. name, Kim. Damn it. <laughs> so let me have to go back. It. Darn. Well, well, real quick before we describe <laughs> it, all this means is squad trip down there. Oh, yeah. Seriously. I want to do different wineries, but I totally would do this tour again through Airbnb experiences because that's how much I enjoyed it. It was really legit. Monte Zanuck is another winery I've been dying to go to down there that's really popular. Let's go. Let's go. But Kim, I really think you would have liked this winery. It just had the ambience that said Kim's name, Lushties. Because it was just like so cute, beautiful, stylish. You wanted to be there. Yeah. So they had this huge (laughs) elevated deck and they had really comfy white couches. They had chairs to sit on. They had those egg swings that are kind of like shaped like eggs Uh that hang from like the ceiling. And they had beautiful views of the vineyards. So it was just a really cool, unique space. 
and it was really nice. And this place, they gave each couple their own bottle of wine. Yeah, so you could choose either a white or a red. Instead of tastings, you got a full-blown bottle. Did you guys drink the whole bottle? Oh, yeah. We topped it off. Which is shocking because Brittany likes to drink, but when she does, not a lot. I, but like this shocked. one, we were like, ooh, the bottle's I, gone. I can't imagine how wasted you guys were after this trip. Uh, Brittany was pretty tipsy. <laughs> I held my own, but uh, we weren't too wild. Yeah, Although I have a story for you, but I'll, I'll save it for a little bit. We had the three tastings at the first winery. Then we had a whole bottle of wine. Then we topped it off with the four wine tasting at the last <sighs> winery. And I was like, damn. I am composed still, but like, you know, I was impressed with myself. But at this place, at the Domek Q or Domek, however they pronounce it, I am unsure of it. One thing I will say is that if you want the deck experience, they do require that you order something from the restaurant. So we did order a cheese board from here. It's some of their local cheeses and breads. Otherwise, if you're not on the deck, you don't have to order anything. So because of what the deck is, they do charge the premium of making you have to purchase something. So do keep that in mind. But I will say it is very well worth it for that entire ambiance What do you think the cheese plate costs you? About 18 bucks. Which is expensive for Mexico, but for in a winery, like yeah. if you were to do that somewhere here in the U.S. and get like a full-blown cheese plate as big as we got, I mean, huge. it would it be a, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I don't struggle to eat food. I was struggling to finish all that cheese because it's like, holy crap, how much cheese are they going to give me? It was good, That's though. Good. The yeah. couple that we were on the tour with, they were like, do you guys want to split the cheese board? And I was thinking, no, it's probably not going to be that big. Like, we'll just get our own. And just like the cauliflower in Wyoming. Exactly. And then it came out and I was like, damn it, we could have easily split this. So did they get a cheese board and you guys got a cheese board? Yeah. <laughs> yes. This is why I am so pro picture menus. true and they were a really nice couple we had the couple on my tour was also really nice now we're friends on instagram and they live in san diego (laughs) we're friends on instagram we were just talking about solo travel now here we are making friends on trips well actually the solo travel is going to come out in a few weeks but you're going to catch that reference when you hear it (laughs) so in addition to wineries yes wine is a huge draw of this area but so is the food they have so many gourmet bomb restaurants in this area. Chef Javier Placencia is a super well-known chef locally, and he has a couple of restaurants down there. One of them is Finca Altozano, and the property is gigantic, and it's gorgeous. And we got there just before the sun went down, so we were able to take it in while the sun was still up, but it was like golden hour, so it was beautiful. They have these giant wine barrels with spiral staircases going around so you can go up on it, take pictures. They have these kind of like steel wooden statues of like different kind of animals. They have huge areas where you can sit by a fire and it just is sprawling in the property. This is also on the same property where they have the big bubble Airbnbs. Oh, we need to go there. Yes. And the food, the restaurant is amazing. So this was our last stop on my tour. And we sat there, we got wine, we got food. Our tour guide actually ate with us and the couple and we had a really great time. There's wild dogs there that are just like hanging around too, that are just laying around sleeping. It was an amazing atmosphere, amazing way to end the tour. 
We actually didn't eat in Valle de Guadalupe. We actually went back to Ensenada and ate, but we did get some recommendations for when we go back. One of the places that was recommended to us was called Deckman. I really want to eat there. I've seen pictures. It looks beautiful. Yes. And it's supposed to be like a culinary concept, multi-sensory experience mm-hmm. where you're in contact with nature. The restaurant's designed to be like exposed to partially being outdoors. Yes. They really like incorporate the rural atmosphere into the restaurants into the wineries like it is part of the identity of that place and they really incorporate it in yeah and you do have to make reservations we didn't have reservations nor were we going to eat there but it's somewhere where I'm like I'm definitely want to go back to Valle and eat here and another place that was recommended to us which isn't a dinner place it's actually a breakfast place it's called La Cocina de Donna Estela and it's voted the best breakfast in the world guys best desayuno See, I know a little bit of Spanish. How about in the world? Uh, En el mundo? Good job. Oh my God. You just like created an entire sentence in Spanish, Jamal. Like I'm really proud of you. I try my best. But I want to go. I mean, it's hard because when I go to Mexico, I know it's so stereotypical. I really do want like taquerias or I want like some chilaquiles or something traditional breakfast. But when we go back to Valle de Guadalupe, I do want to eat at uh, La Cocina de Dona Estela. I really want to try that out. I mean, it's voted best breakfast in the world, someplace <laughs> in rural Mexico did, wine country. Did they I mean, say? Imagine that. Like, what dish is yes. the best? The house specialty is machaca con huevos. Oh, oh my God. I love machaca. Give me like, machaca bird all day. I, I don't even know what it is, but like I it's fucking It's like shredded love beef, right? Shredded beef with eggs. eggs. Yeah. Mm. And then you get a tortilla. Mm. Mm. So let's go there because okay. I want that breakfast. Down. Like we can have like a whole day where we do a big breakfast in the morning, then we go to the wineries, get wind up, and then we go to like Deckman's for dinner, stay in our little bubble. We could be it. real bougie on the inexpensive Mexican peso, huh? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's a benefit. You can splurge a little bit more here in Mexico because your dollar goes a little bit farther than it would in the US. So I love it. Fuck them hard. Fuck them hard. <laughs> okay, question. When you finished your wine tour on a one to 10, how drunk were you? I would say I was a solid seven and a half. Jamal? Um, Because I have a little bit higher of a tolerance, I would put myself at a six. All right. So I was blacked out. (laughs) (laughs) But did you get more than what was included? Like when you were there, did you purchase more? We didn't go to the third place to get the bottle, but we got a bottle at Finca Altazano. I think we got two bottles, actually. Are you talking about blacked out when you were with Louie or when you went with the girls one time? Um, Or both? No, no, no. With the girls, (laughs) I was driving, so I wasn't blacked out then. But this was the tour where there was another driver. So... We finished our dinner at at Finca Altazano and we were taking the couple back to their spot and we made such good friends with them. They invited us to come over and go in their hot tub. (laughs) So I wasn't blacked out. I guess I was browned out because it's all a little hazy, but we ended up in their house with the driver too. (laughs) In the hot tub? No, no, we didn't go in the hot tub. We just went in their house for some reason and, and then we ended up leaving, but then when we got back into the van for him to take us home, I started feeling sick and and 
I think I rolled the window down to throw up and he like stopped so I could. Oh, I've seen Kim do that before. I, and and <laughs> like, on Wine Drunk too, on Wine Drunk Kim. Yeah. Wine Drunk Kim, this is cliche. This you know is cliche. What? Kim, so. I just want to say that had I been there, I would have been at your level and no shame in puking in the car. There's, there's no puking there in the too. car, out the window. There's no shame. I'm just laughing because I've seen this I before. I know, I did this. I know, I did this with us at that one Christmas party, but so... <laughs> Ah, uh, Louis's so nice. He's like holding my hair back and we get back in the van. What a gentleman. I woke up in the morning and I was like, what the hell is all over my shoes? And my black boots were just like spotted in orange puke. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. And that is why you bring a shoe bag when you travel. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, Jamal and I, we went to a um, restaurant with our new friends and we were like, we could be down in this area at any point in time. Like you guys are visiting, you guys took a plane here, like wherever you guys want to go, we want to eat. So we went to this resort and I want to say it was called like El Restaurante at Punta Moro. And oh, okay. it had ocean views. It was a very nice place to eat and not crowded at all. We were like the only people on the deck there. Yeah. And we had some lobster enchiladas and what they were pretty bon. El Restaurante at Punta Moro. Punta Moro. It's one of the big resorts that they have down there in terms of like, I don't want to say super, super luxury hotels, but definitely on the upper scale of the hotels that are available in Ensenada. And they had a beautiful restaurant, great bar just as well with it too. And you have amazing, amazing ocean views. By the time we got there for dinner, it was a little dark. So we could only see really the waves crashing on the rocks and hearing them. But if you timed it perfectly and went there for sunset for dinner, it would be absolutely amazing. That sounds great. There's another restaurant I'll recommend in the strip of Ensenada called Planta Baja. And it has a big indoor spot, it's two story, but the outdoor spot is ocean facing as well. Gorgeous, gorgeous views, great food. I've eaten there before on a different trip, and I would highly recommend that spot too. So a quick little bonus is we both mentioned earlier on in the episode that we went to La Bufadora. So who wants to explain what that is? Well, quick, Zana, we've talked about this in another episode. I don't know if you remember. Blowhole. Oh, you do know. I was going to ask, what does it translate to? Uh, you know what? The first time that we talked about La Bufadora on the Travel Squad podcast, I did not know what it meant because I do not use the word blowhole that much. I don't know. You need to step up your Spanish lingo if you're not using blowhole. I've started to incorporate <laughs> it in my vocabulary, use which it is why sentence, I now <laughs> um, uh, muestrame tu bufadora. <laughs> Show me your blow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little grotesque. Well, I will tell you. How would you have used it in a sentence? Um, I well, I can't to... say it in Spanish, but my sentence would have been, when in Ensenada, I went to La Bufadora. And I will tell you exactly what La Bufadora <laughs> is. So it's a little bit south of Ensenada. About an hour drive. Yeah, Proximity-wise, it's actually not that far. It takes a while to get there because one of the highways does go through the city, so there are stoplights. Mm -hmm. It gets to a little bit more rural area, so even though it is technically signed as a Mexican highway, you do go through the city, so it takes longer than it really should in terms of actual distance. But when you get to La Bufadora, it's a very popular tourist attraction. They have a strip mall of sorts of all these different shops where you can buy souvenirs, you can get drinks, whether they be like margaritas, 
cerveza, mm-hmm. restaurants, and then you get to La Bufadora, which is right along the rocks of the Pacific Ocean coast. And what it really is, it's this perfect little corner where as the tide and waves come in, it creates this pressure in a squeezed tight area between the rocks where the water actually rises and blows up, hence the name blowhole. So it's almost like a natural geyser, but not really a geyser, but that's the best way I could really Mm -hmm. describe it. And it happens like every minute. When we were there, you know, it was going and going and then it stopped for quite a while. So I think it just really, you're right, it does have a real high frequency, Kim. But sometimes, I mean, you could really have a long lull between when enough pressure gets pushed up between those rocks for it to really like come through. You could always hear it gurgling like the (laughs) blowhole's ready, (laughs) but it doesn't always give you full explosion. When you guys were there, were there a lot of people standing to watch it? Um, when we were there, we were there early enough in the morning. It wasn't that crowded yet, but I'm sure if we were there later in the day, it definitely would have That's a good tip. Yeah, been. I was there around one or two and it was very crowded. Yeah, so it's a cool little tourist trap. It's fun to go there just to see the souvenirs, have the drinks. It is an experience. If you're in Ensenada, you might as well. Would I say it's an absolute wow factor for me? No, but if you're there, it is something to do and I would recommend it, but just don't expect to be like completely enthralled by it. Yeah, we had lunch at a restaurant right there. Ocean view, like indoor, outdoor kind of space. Was it a huge wooden restaurant? Because there was one that I was eyeballing. Mm, I, I can't remember what the uh, building material was, but <laughs> it, it had a beautiful view and it had a live uh, man playing music and singing live. Oh, it was nice. great. Oh, very nice. So definitely do go check out the blowhole or la bufadora, whatever you prefer. And hear it gurgle. Yes. <laughs> that's the fun part is watching it blow. <laughs> and then we've been talking about tours a lot and there are a lot of places that you can buy tours at. Airbnb experiences where we went. I felt really good about buying that one because it's going directly to a person who mm-hmm. is giving you this experience. And I had a really good personal experience with this person. It was also the best price, which I love. But there are tons of different tours. I know Baja Vino is another one that's really Baja Wine Tours. Like there's a lot. So if you just Google them, you'll find them. They'll take you from the U.S. side or the Mexico side and they range in prices. You can also just hire a car and choose your own path. So there's tons of options, no matter what you want to do. Yeah, and I want to say, obviously, the prices, as you said, Kim, will vary, but a lot of them have an average cost of maybe just a little bit of under $100 to $100. Or $150, I Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely higher-end ones, no doubt. But I'm saying in terms on average, I feel like you can find one in the like yes. low hundred range or a little bit under a hundred and it'll give you the full experience of the wineries, the tastings. You don't have to worry about the driving. Obviously when you get to the wineries, because they do cater to a lot of Americans, lots of people there know English too. So you don't have to worry about that and you have the tours, the transportation. So it really creates a good, good value for the money. And unless you are a Spanish speaker and can hold your alcohol or somebody is going to be DD, I really think the tours are definitely the way to go if you're going to go to buy it in Guadalupe. And one thing we wanted to talk about more in our episodes, and one of the reasons why we even created the podcast was to be able to show you guys how to do these experiences yourselves and show you how affordable things like this could be. And, you know, Jamal and I try to travel about one weekend a month. And overall, for this entire trip, we paid about $430 
for the both of us. And if you really break that down, including the hotel, the wine tour, the food, the gas, everything, that's really not a lot of money in terms of a trip. And one of the things that helped us save money personally was I did have a lot of Expedia points, so I did redeem them. So our hotel was supposed to be about $105 per night, but I had $75 worth of Expedia points. So we only spent 30 bucks. Had it been the original price, we would have spent about the equivalent of what Kim and Louie spent. And this is for both of you guys, just yes. to confirm. Yeah, not per person, yeah. right? So, I mean, if we're talking 435, I mean, I'm just going to make it simple and say 215 a person. That includes your wine tours, the hotels, our gas, the car insurance that we purchased, food that we paid for outside that wasn't included. So, yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, not to say $435 isn't a lot of money in some sense. I mean, it is, but amongst two and what we got for the value of it, really affordable in terms of well the dinners that we ate like we ate lunch at puerto nuevo and we got a lobster Mm -hmm. and we like went balls to the walls at (laughs) you know for dinner at punta mora where we got the lobster enchiladas and we got a drink and then like the wine tour and you splurged on your own cheese tray and we yeah so so. i mean if we didn't go with the high-end meals you're right it could be substantially less expensive When I went with Louis, we spent around $600 and that was for two nights in that ocean view, beautiful Airbnb, the wine tours we had for two of us, a breakfast, two dinners, a lunch, all like ocean view, really nice. Uh, two bottles of wine as souvenirs like we drove ourselves but we paid for gas and like it was affordable but when I went with the girls it was five girls so imagine splitting something by five Mm -hmm. and if you don't drink that much like you know I like to go down and have a good time when I'm down there so probably spent more on alcohol than you guys did but there are ways to make it cheaper when you're in a group that's why I love having a travel squad you could also get an Airbnb and make more tortas at home. Exactly. <laughs> Louis make tortas at home. Tortas every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I love them. <laughs> Any final thoughts, ladies, on Valle de Guadalupe before we wrap things up? We actually have a question of the week. Oh, my goodness. How did I miss that? You are getting way too ahead of yourself. Well, I guess the question of the week is the wrap-up, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to wrap up with our one question of the week. <laughs> This one came in anonymously and they're asking if you don't speak Spanish at all, can you still do this trip? I mean, Jamal did it. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> he just spoke a, a sentence of Spanish. You're right. You're right. You know, Sorry, I, Jamal. I, I discredited you. I apologize. I cannot speak full sentences because I get flustered and I'm not going to say my Spanish is great, but I know enough to get by with key phrases and what to ask. However, even if I didn't know that, I would say yes, because this is so close to the border that you are likely if, well, I take back likely, you for sure will encounter people working in the hospitality industry in that area, whether it be at the wineries or the hotels that do know English. If you do the Airbnb tour that we did, it specifically asks, do you want the tour in English or in Spanish? Even the road signs are in English. Most of the people that work at the wineries, the tours, the hotels, the Airbnbs, you can get it in English or you can translate it either on the Airbnb app or figure it out when you're there. Google Translate. Yes. So you'll be just fine with just English. You want to try to learn some Spanish. That's highly encouraged too, but you don't need to know it at all. And in fact, you can even use US dollars. So guys, I hope you go down, have a good time, get some wine. Don't drink too much and pack that shoe bag just in case. Yeah, don't puke out the window like Kim. (laughs) 
<laughs> Kim, I love you. All right, everyone, that's all we have for you this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please keep the adventures going with us by following us on Instagram and YouTube at Travel Squad Podcast. We now have the Travel Squad Podcast hashtag. If you tag your photos with that, we will share them on our profile. And please send us in those questions of the week. And if you found the information in this episode to be useful, or if you thought we were just plain funny, please make sure to share it with a friend that would enjoy it too. And as always, guys, please subscribe, rate and review our podcast, and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you. Woo! Bye, everybody. Bye.